We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Welcome <laughs> to Nada Grande Outdoors podcast. Welcome. Right on. We have some awesome guests today. I'm excited about this one. We do. We do. Um, we just sat down. I've been wanting for a long time to have asabuco is that did i say it right yeah asabuco and we sat down and had it and as i suspected it's awesome delicious especially when cooked by a qualified individual yes yes so we have as guests today aaron roy hi starson roy hello hello uh give us a give us a quick background where you guys are from and and how you well uh, Aaron and I knew each other in college, so that's that's kind of the connection that we have. Uh, that was just five years ago, right? Just five years ago. Wink, wink. Yeah, you your backgrounds. Your wink. <laughs> <laughs> backgrounds where you guys come from. I did get your wink. I, I didn't. It didn't. It didn't fall on deaf ears. I know it was more than five years ago. It seems like five years ago. Though. It does seem like five years yeah. ago. So. Yeah. Well, it seems like five years ago. Yeah, just getting out of college and trying to figure out what life is, and then here we are. It is not five years ago, and we're still trying to find out how that... Still trying to figure out what life is. (laughs) (laughs) As it turns out, you just don't automatically know after graduating. Yeah, I think they lied to us. I think they did, too. In fact, actually, I talk about this quite a bit, that um, I did grad school right after I did my undergraduate, but it wasn't in something like engineering where you're like, oh, I know what my pay scale is going to be like, or I know what job or field I'm going to go into. It wasn't a craft. So um, I was animal science, and then I switched to ag business for my master's. But still, the professors kind of talk to you like, oh, yeah, you know, you, you're going to be qualified, and now you're educated, so you can go out and get a job. And that was not the case at all for me when I graduated. Liars. <laughs> yeah. you're this, I'm the same way. I went uh, – I went to get my master's because at the time, or when I was doing my undergrad, uh, was working in the summer times for Forest Service, and all the people in the Forest Service said, yeah, go get your master's degree, it'll help you out a ton, and so I went ahead and decided I'll go get, get my master's degree, and nobody wanted to touch me. Yeah. You know, I ended up getting a job in extension, which was not where I thought my direction of uh, career would go and didn't end up staying in that. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You're going to be so qualified. Qualified to do what? <laughs> qualified to understand how to read a book yeah, and right. um, yeah. write a research paper. Yep. That's what I was qualified to do. Qualified to understand that statistics are a lie. They yes. Just, you can make them say whatever you want. That's right. I tell people all the time that's what I learned in college. Yeah. It, it, you can pick the statistic model to say what you want to say. You know you know what I learned in college? I didn't want to do what I was majoring in. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's really funny is the only smart one here is the one that is quiet because he right? went to culinary school and yeah. then that's why he's he did what he was supposed that's to do. That's why he's quiet. He's sitting over there. <laughs> yeah. idiots. Right? Yep. No, I started, I actually went to community college to try to see what the mm. culinary uh, arts program was all about. And being there six months, and I hadn't stepped in foot into any kitchen, hadn't done any cooking, was doing all the basics just to get to where you need to to get your other classes. And uh, after that, kind of just said, nope, I'm going to go and go to a culinary school up in Scottsdale, Arizona, and do this right now. 
so within the first day I was cooking at the culinary school and yeah it came out a year later and haven't stopped since yeah see that that's that's really interesting I went to school for survey engineering and I went I went to school for a while and then I took a summer job with an a surveyor you know to kind of help me uh, through through college and as I was surveying I learned that I was morally opposed to it <laughs> <laughs> wow so I I ended up just quitting because I was like yeah I don't I don't want any part of that um, I didn't like so as a surveyor one of the things that I had to do was go survey all of these farms and ranches to be split up and sold and subdivided mm-hmm. and I hated it. Yeah, that's gut wrenching. Oh. It it just it didn't sit well with me cuz I, you know, and, and this kind of pertains to what we're talking to, to about today, you know, in farming and and subsistence subsistence stuff, but I I didn't like it. I didn't like splitting up that stuff and I talked to so many of those older uh, that older generation, you know, who had these farms and their kids wanted no part of it. They wanted to go out and get jobs and do other stuff and so that was kind of the you know what these a lot of these farmers would say. Well, you know my kids don't want it, so the only thing I can do is split it up and sell it. Mm. Yeah. And man, I hated it. I, it just it it bugged me, and I knew I couldn't do that job. I knew I couldn't have a survey company and go out there and split up good farmland for people to build houses on. So I quit. Yeah, like, I'm not I'm not doing that. Now it got me my job that I have today, but here we are talking about. Uh, backyard farming subsistence and and we got sidetracked on college but i think that's it you know that's the path though right that a lot of people are taking it's that this thing that we're doing now this food movement that we're a part of wasn't something that we were brought in that wasn't our time when we were growing up it was was, grocery stores yeah and actually i was gonna i was gonna kind of speak to that you know um when i when i did go to college I started right away into classes that were focused on agriculture, and it kept me. I probably would have stayed in simply because it, my mom and my dad placed such an emphasis on college. Um, but had I not had those specific courses, had I done the same thing that you did and just been doing basic courses to, you know, the yeah. the, 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 yeah. the just general courses, I'd have probably been bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but you're right. There's um, that. That was not a focus back then. Yeah, it was. All. It was. You will go to college, mm-hmm. and now there's so many of us out there that it's almost like having a high school diploma, a four year degree. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, just to go back, I think you asked us about intro, and we went right into talking about <laughs> college <laughs> right? and how we got here. <laughs> um, so where we are now. Um, Starson and I will be married four years in August. We've been together for six years. We met in the city. Neither one of us grew up in a city. And um, we kind of, my tagline really is like going back to your roots. My business is called The Harvest Trail. Um, I do marketing and consulting work specifically within social media for farm to table businesses and agricultural businesses. But we are here because we also live on a homestead and we grow our food. I'm a master gardener for Bernalillo County in New Mexico. Um, I'm also part of an ag leadership team out of NMSU where we're learning about agriculture in all four corners of the state as well as policy. And um, we've taken a trip to Washington, D.C. and talked to 
our um, representatives up there, and it also um, includes doing an international trip. So we're getting immersed in agriculture today. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have my other half that um, yeah, does I just the fun make, stuff. Yeah, I just make make all the fun food and things that we grow here I actually get to play with. And uh, first time I ever did pickling or canning was because we had too many cucumbers. I'm like, well, let's learn how to make pickles. And um, I love it. It's taken the you know small little farm homestead is taking me back to my culinary roots of actually appreciating where it came from and why it came from and how it got there um you know i do meat fabrication and butchery as my trade for the culinary profession but i incorporate everything um into it yeah um and so it's interesting because you know those skills and those things there's there's a lot of people like you who said, oh let's let's learn how to do that. And 50 years ago, those were common skills to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know because of I think there's a gap in there like Rodney was talking about uh, the the old farmer who his kids didn't want the farm. There was a gap and they pushed so hard for their kids to go to college and to do things that you know weren't necessarily. Uh, wouldn't require physical labor, and they they push so hard to for their kids to do that stuff. I think you lost a lot as far as passing those skills on, mm-hmm. and and the kids wanting to learn those skills. You know, uh, I don't know how to can. My mom does it all the time, yeah. but I don't know how to do it. Uh, and that's you know partly my fault, and and partly just the factor that she wanted. She, you know, she's uh, one of those that just wanted her kids to do have a better life and do better things than she did. And not not to say that she has a bad life. She's done amazing things. You know, she got her master's degree in speech pathology and all that stuff. Uh, but you, you, it kind of gets lost in translation. Some of those skills don't don't um, translate over unless you have a real interest in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's cool to see that coming back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think I call us the. The gap generation because it's we're we have there's such a gap between where our food comes from to us mm-hmm. with where we are right now but which I think a lot of us are trying to change that for our kids yeah and there's educational components that are out there you know like with the Farm Bureau and Ag in the Classroom um, to there's so many programs to even name that's just the first one that came off the top of my head but there's even gardening programs where they're putting gardens in schools and maintaining them so that kids can learn that um, but there still is you know the problem of you can ask children you know where did the apple come from and the first thing that comes from their head is Walmart yeah it is it's it's not tree that's <laughs> so it's that flippant store. Thing that comes first to their mind is definitely something that I think is is part of where we are now that we're gearing towards food again. Yeah, fortunately, and plenty of people out there that think that you know meat, eggs, milk comes from the grocery store. I don't know. You know, I know that we were taught that as kids, um, and I teach my kids that, but I don't think that they're learning it in school now. Well, without getting into a lengthy and long uh, squirrel trail uh, as <laughs> far like as as far as you know the <laughs> educational system uh, that that has also transitioned to a place where um, they don't really have time to teach that you know mm-hmm. they're focused on science and math 
and getting their scores up because that's where right. the money comes from. So, yeah, uh, yeah we, we have to find ways to do it outside of that because uh, for the foreseeable future, I don't see that changing. Yeah. Well, I don't think we do either. I think we're so fortunate with um, Starson's boys who are raising two of his boys full-time. They're 14 and 15. One of them has zero desire to be in agriculture when he's out of this house. He loves the city. He enjoys it. And, um, you know, instead of taking away from that and saying, oh, well, you know, we're going to beat agriculture into you because right. we're forcing you to live on a two-acre homestead and <laughs> <laughs> dig holes in the, on Saturday morning, <clears throat> um, we just say, you know, well, maybe you can apply this later on, you know, whether you want to landscape your backyard or what if the wife that you married decides that she wants to have a garden? Like you have these skills or when you turn 15, you can open a landscaping business in the city. Yeah. Right. You know, there's so many different options to be able yeah. to play that. So it doesn't have to be, yeah, you need to move out to a rural area by two acres. And then I want you to figure out how to grow your own food and go hunt your own food. It doesn't have to be all of that. And so I think that's where we're excited for us to chat with you guys, because you're the, the other piece to the puzzle, right? Yeah. So we have the gardening side. We have um, in the future, we just bought this place and remodeled it. Last year, it was a foreclosure. Um, so we run chickens on it now. Um, we're just going to get into meat birds. We have turkeys this year for the first time. And then we have a lot of layers. But the next step is to add uh, sheep, uh, dual purpose breed sheep, which means they would be for both wool and meat. So to hear your component of the hunting, and which is in my husband's background, is awesome. It's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's... It, what we had for lunch. Oh, well, yeah, right. right. We, <laughs> well, what, uh, before we ate today, that's what I was talking about, how I'm a meat and taters guy, and that's what we got here, meat and taters. <laughs> we got some vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the veggies and the meat. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, a, a big part of the push to get into hunting nowadays is exactly that, to know where your meat's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really cool thing is, is seeing that and seeing that aspect of it. I think growing, I grew up hunting and a big part of my family and the reason that we hunted is, um, you know, back then, of course, you could hunt to eat and, and it would save you money. Uh, that was a, yes. that was a thing. Now that's not as much of a thing. If, if you're hunting to, um, supplement your freezer to save money, Probably not what's <laughs> happening. It costs you better, way you better too much. Check, yeah. You better check your check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's probably not, that's not where it's at anymore. And there's so many, so many other ways that that you know families that are um, uh, struggling as far as as feeding their family. There's programs and things like that that, yeah. that are available that uh, don't require the amount of money it costs but, to go hunting. But it is a great source of natural. Absolutely, mm-hmm. meat. Yeah, um, and you know where it's coming from. If you, if you're the one taking it and bringing it home and processing it yourself and cooking it yourself, uh, you have that confidence that it is good, healthy, quality meat. Yeah. So that is a kind of the same as with the gardening. You know, you know where mm-hmm. your stuff's coming from. So that's a cool deal. Yeah, and the pride that you take in either right. growing it or getting that animal is such a right. huge. And I think that's probably why people, right, are willing to spend the money. <laughs> yeah, is <laughs> because the, the pride part of it, the respect part of it. That yeah, comes with that. there's, man, there's a whole litany of reasons that we hunt, um, and that is a big one. Uh, and it varies from person to person. My yeah. my fir- the first animal that I ever took, I was so excited. My uncle's the one that taught me how to hunt. And, and, you know, he taught me pretty much how to be a man. But when I got my first animal, 
the first thing I thought of was I cannot wait to tell Uncle Lonnie. Mm. And and you know so and every time I get an animal, I, I get a little little a piece. He's he right? since passed, mm. um, but yeah, every time every time I, I you know I'm successful at hunting or even just out there, I have that that piece to lean on, and it's it's pretty cool. Are there cheaper ways for people? So like my listeners that will tune in to listen to you guys that come from the homesteading side. That you know everybody hears about grass fed beef. Yeah, everybody knows what that is, right? Yep. But how would you? on an affordable level, be able, is it going to be small game? Is that where you're going to be able to bring that, you know, kind of component where you're getting your meat from the range on the table? Or so there's, there's all kinds of stuff that you can do. <clears throat> um, and we say that hunting is expensive. It can be. It doesn't have to it be. It doesn't have to be. And this is one thing that we uh, talk about a lot. Uh, our, our regular listeners are probably like, yeah, yeah, you're going to say it again. But <laughs> it's worth, it's worth repeating is that it doesn't have to be. There are so many types of hunting and so many ways to get out there and, and enjoy nature and bring home that bounty that don't have to be expense, expensive. You could go out and you could spend a thousand dollars on you know guns and gear and everything else, uh, but there's also those people who got a hand-me-down rifle from their granddad and you know Rodney's got a 30-30 that he wants to kill an elk with. He got it from his granddad. Awesome. Um, there, you don't have to be in the best shape to always go hunting. If you're going to hike into Pecos Wilderness six miles in, yeah, you're going to have to be in shape. But uh, you could uh, pick a unit to go hunt in, and all it's going to cost you is a little bit of gas, some food, and the cost of a license. If you've got, you know, if you borrowed a rifle from your buddy or. Uh, you go down to Walmart and get a cheap set of, of camo. There are ways that you can do it that don't have to be expensive. We say it's expensive because we tend to spend our money on, on good quality equipment that's mm. that's going to last a long time because we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. But there are ways that you can do it. There's small game. You don't have to do anything except take a shotgun and a license. Yeah. Yeah. No dub Exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Small game, you know, the hard part with big game is the opportunity is not always there. Right. You have to draw a tag, mm-hmm. so it's not something that you can rely on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and big game is uh, big risk, big reward. Yes. You mm-hmm. take something as simple as fishing. Uh, anybody mm-hmm. can go pick up a, a license for almost, you know, a yearly license for a resident is $32. Mm-hmm. You can go and, and fish for next to nothing with a Walmart reel yes. and rod. and. Yes, you can. Uh, not only that, but if you're looking for like what we're talking about here, kind of subsistence, uh, something that's a steady um, source of protein mm-hmm. for your family, uh, learn how to trot line. Mm-hmm. You can put 25 hooks on a, on a trot line. You go and check it on a calendar day. Uh, you go every day. You go check it. And you grab what's there. It's something I like to call it. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like trapping for fur bears. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like that uh, quote-unquote passive income. Right. It's something mm-hmm. that's out there that you're not having to work for. You know, mm-hmm. uh, here around the homestead, there's a lot of work to be done. I'm <laughs> sure you can testify to that. But that's something that you could do to supplement your work here, mm-hmm. to add some of that protein and some variety in your diet that is not going to take all that much work. Yeah. yeah. But we talk about passive income on homesteading all the time. Mm-hmm. Like those go... those words go hand in hand with each other because 
a lot of people that are homesteading, just like people um, that are on large agricultural farms and productions and even ranchers do have off-farm jobs. That's yep. just a part of how it is now to be able to pay the bills. Yeah. The margins are tiny. Yep. Yeah. Um, so if you can find ways to get those extra passive um, income, that's great. Like for us, it's eggs. Um, it's going to be the meat birds. Um, it's making our own feed. It's eating stuff off of the farm. So to, you know, add that. I mean, New Mexico, I think it's a little bit harder for us because we don't have, in our location, which is, you know, in the East Mountains outside of Albuquerque, the water is, the, our closest yeah. water is a, an hour and some away. Yeah, and in same, two directions. Same thing, in, you know, like I said, you know, go put a trot line in. Uh, there's some places it's harder to do that than 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 not but the the idea that there's lots of different disciplines in hunting yeah. that you can use to do that and talking so i laugh because i say passive income and you use the term passive in, it's not really passive income you put a lot of effort into it <laughs> yeah. a lot of sweat <laughs> equity that actually goes into <laughs> yeah. the money that's on the side you mm -hmm. know it's so it's Maybe more aggressive income. aggressive income. aggressive income. Yeah, yeah. maybe we need to aggressively earned that. income yeah. <laughs> i yeah. wish we had water that was um closer i grew up um fishing my entire life spin fishing fly fishing on rivers um my dad who passed away when i was young was uh, game fish warden up in the four corners area so the we lived right there in a little town called navajo mm -hmm. and the so the right san juan there. yep yeah. they were so he was on the navajo lake and the san juan river was his area my stepdad um was his best friend and so we i am so grateful that we got to continue that tradition that he kept that with us because they grew up hunting and fishing in Las Cruces and on the Gila backpacking hunting and he passed that on to all four of us so we grew up um, hunting fishing I love to fly fish to this day yes. um, I would do it every single weekend it's probably a good thing that I don't live that close to water <laughs> because I think my husband would be playing hmm. golf I would be on the river and, and there would be no homestead uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah no homestead <laughs> there would uh, be no homestead because you know the kids aren't going to be collecting <laughs> eggs on their own no no we tried that actually we left them alone on the homestead for like three days mm -hmm. yeah and full teenage boy syndrome set in yep nice um, they kept Lord, Lord of the Flies yeah, takes over that's exactly what happened um no but i think almost everything survived we had one chick that didn't make it <laughs> but i think that might have been my fault i'm gonna go ahead and claim that as my fault because they called me immediately and they're like oh my gosh <laughs> um but everything else lived it just looked interesting when we got home so, yeah yeah um so take us through and like like you, I was really excited to do this this podcast because I think these things can really go hand in hand and complement each other. Um, kind of take us through. I get. I guess there's many different levels, but kind of a in my mind a couple of different levels of, of what people can do to be more uh, self sufficient and sustainable outside of having a two acre homestead. You know, mm -hmm. there's lots of things they could do in their backyard. Oh yeah, absolutely. You don't have to have two acres. I mean, if you looked like right now, what we're utilizing for land to grow, what we do, it's nothing. Yeah. Like yeah, it's I, pretty surprising. I think when people come over and they're like, oh, <laughs> you can really grow a lot of food in small areas. Um, there's a really great um, author out there. I can't remember his name. It's a uh, square foot gardening. Um, but he actually will tell you, like you can go online and you can research how many carrot seeds can I put in this square foot? How many beets can I grow in this square foot? So that you learn to utilize that space. 
Um, and using a raised garden bed in your backyard is probably one of the easiest ways to do that is to find a place. Um, a lot of municipals, if you're living in a city, have a place where you can go pick up soil. Um, just beware of put it, what they're putting in that to right. make that soil. Um, biosolids, which is human waste, is going into a lot of those, yeah. which means you can get you know, prescription drug leftovers, um, heavy metals, a lot of stuff goes back into that. I think it's a good idea because I am all for you know, not letting waste go to waste, but in that case, I don't think it's such a good idea to put that back into your food source. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you were using that um, on your flower beds or you had some shade trees or something like that, grass, cool. Back into the food source, not so much. We have some great places here in Albuquerque. Um, one that we use quite often is called Soilutions. They have a great program that they run with the restaurants around town where they go um, do the food waste, where they mm -hmm. pick it up from the restaurants. And they have the local landscapers come and drop off wood and stuff. Um, so that soil, we know where it comes from. We know what goes into it. We know how long they let it sit. So we know that the heat is killing off the seeds. So um, a good soil source. Raised beds, you can make those out of anything. Um, in our garden right here, we have a garage door that Starson took apart <laughs> and put back together. <laughs> what that That's what that is. And yeah, then we nice. spray painted it to match our other beds. Yeah. So, you know, upcycle, recycle, those are ways to be sustainable, self-sufficient. Um, you know, using Craigslist, the free section, going to, if you do live rurally, you know, you can go to your neighbor's farm and ranch and be like, hey, can I go through a junk pile? Because they're going to have stuff, uh, you know? Uh, yeah, like an old uh, steel truck bed. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. those are just laying around mm -hmm. in piles out there. And you go to them and say, hey, they'll almost probably give it to me. Yeah. yeah, get it off, get it off. I don't care. <laughs> you know, anything like that. There's there's a ton of that stuff that you can use. Getting truck beds. Right. Oh, yeah. So we had to pause because we had a storm kick up. And we moved inside. Nature went into tornado mode. Right. Uh, welcome to my life this year. <laughs> I've replanted several of my garden beds like three times. And I think, Kyle, you were just talking about, what were you just talking about? Using different products, um, like recycled stuff, upcycling mm -hmm. yeah. stuff to make yes. garden beds and different stuff that even an everyday person, you know, the amount of effort that you want to put in. And you know what? If you don't want to go to a place like Soilutions, you can go buy soil at the big box stores. Yeah. It's okay to do that. I think just start somewhere. Or or find a, find somewhere uh, where they're putting in new new housing and they're going to have topsoil for sale or, you know, all, yeah. anything, anything yeah. like that. Again, you, that's one of those things where you got to uh, weigh the benefits versus, you know, knowing where it comes from and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But talking about... Getting, getting things and, and upcycling things to make them um, fit for what you need. Uh, we're in New Mexico. If you haven't driven around, <laughs> you need to because there's plenty of uh, options for upcycle. Right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. probably look across the street at your neighbor or something. I mean, yeah, and barter. You know, exactly. I think that's something that we've gotten into big time is, is bartering because um, we don't have a lot of money. We don't, you know, we, but I have spent so much time. Sarson has his full-time job where he's um, 
a, a manager now as a meat specialist. He's going to have to say his title because even his wife doesn't remember the long title. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Uh, regional center of the plate um, manager for uh, New Mexico uh, Shamrock Foods. So. Yeah, there you go. So that's a big food distribution. So that's an interesting component to bring into our house too. Yeah. Because you have the big agricultural side where he's a huge food distribution. The warehouse that they have is insane. He goes to three different states helping people develop recipes, cut meat. Now he does that a little bit less because now he's managing people in that realm. Yeah. And then he comes home to our two-acre homestead and sees... Um, these little beds that we have. <laughs> and he's like, hey, go get me some greens. And I'm like, well, wait, you okay, two dishes? Okay. <laughs> For our lunch today, it was like, okay, six people, go out there, see what you have, bring it back in and cook it. And, and um, yeah, so, and then my job, which is um, the consulting and the marketing, I mean, we're not making huge amounts of money that we can turn around and put into it. Um, so you can do it on a small scale, where it isn't that much, where you are looking at upcycled stuff to make your homestead work, or you don't even have to call it homestead. You can urban garden, mm-hmm. um, have a backyard, backyard garden, garden for fun. Yeah, right. it doesn't have to be Container something large scale. And back. that's the best way to start because the aggravations are going to be a lot smaller, and you're going to learn with more happiness. Yeah, if you, if jump, you, if you jump in and go big, um, there's a good possibility, if you haven't done it before, you don't realize the work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. You, you don't start hunting. Yeah, you don't start hunting on a back trap on a backpack trip for elk. Sure. You yeah. know, you start on a cow elk hunt or an antelope hunt. Mm-hmm. You got to start small and work your way up. <clears throat> I yeah. probably should be louder. Cause... You probably should. But uh, <laughs> what Aaron was saying earlier was exactly right on the money, and, I, and that's another thing that I think is kind of coming back into trend is the barter. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, style. You know, oh, yeah. The barter we lifestyle. Yeah, saves our butt a lot. It does. Yeah, yeah. And, and and if anybody out there is like, well, I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, make an offer. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> Find something they, they that you always don't just say want no. anymore, <laughs> and yeah. trade that to somebody for something you do. Exactly. Want. <laughs> Have you guys yeah. heard of the story about the guy who started with a paperclip and ended up at the home in Canada? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Um, maybe you guys can link it at the bottom of the podcast because it's amazing. If you ju- a lot of it is going to be your sweat equity like yeah. that. Sorry, you can't get out of it. That not, and this it's yeah. not going to happen on it, either side. On either side of the right. table here, it's, <laughs> you are not yeah. getting out of the sweat equity. You have to put in some sort of sweat equity mm-hmm. to uh, get the desired result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there's a, that's an enjoyable sweat equity though. Right. I know. So currently, I live on a dirt patch. But I've always been the kind of guy that, you know, I, growing up, my grandma, I, I grew up with my gra- mom and my grandma, and my grandma always gardened, um, just small, you know, maybe a little 10 by 10 section. Mm-hmm. Um, and But she always had a really nice yard. You know, we had grass, and we had trees, and we had flowers. And I really liked that kind of stuff. And we had a place that we were staying in Tule when we were renting, and, um, man, that place was fantastic. We grew sunflowers and and the lawn and all kinds of you know just um, yeah, cut flowers and stuff like that and, and yeah and I had I put in a little garden I grew pumpkins the size of this dang table awesome we had a great big pumpkin patch and um, you know I run out of room and I got a kids 
little kitty swimming, swimming pool. pool. And I filled it full of dirt. And I grew cantaloupes and See, watermelons. I'm not the only one. He gets mad at me dragging around things right? to put dirt in. That, so yeah, I'm glad you put, said put that. Put some yeah. dirt in it and grow it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but um, you know. So, but I enjoyed that. You mm-hmm. know, every evening when I got home from work, I got to go out there and water and you know pull bugs off the flowers and it sounds you know but it, it, so it's an enjoyable sweat equity especially yeah. if you like it well it's scientifically proven on many levels that being outside so for you guys good for your health um the microbes that are in the soil are really good for um mental health All and right. so the gardening side so doing things with your hands planting things good for mental health so it's and, it's and if you got you kids so and you and expose them to the outdoors to the microbes mm-hmm. in the in the soil, mm-hmm. they immune has been proven better. that they grow up healthier. Yeah, they, they have a better less. immune system. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and these life skills that they got too. Life skills of growing, right? Right. Yeah, that's what. So you had said something earlier about when you were talking about um, y'all sons were they want to go to the city mm-hmm. and you don't want to push them off. But one of the cool things about that is. Whether whether they choose to go to the city or not, they'll have that education and they'll mm-hmm. have that knowledge. Whether they use it or not, they'll have that knowledge. They'll have that ability and, to. And do not that. in not in every uh, not in every situation, but oftentimes they, they come tend to come back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've yeah. got a cousin who grew up in Fort Sumner, New Mexico, and uh, grew up on a little little place. I mean, they weren't ranchers or farmers, but they grew a little bit of hay and they roped and. They rodeoed and stuff like that, and uh, my cousin uh, went away from that, and he went to the city, and he loves the city, and he uh, lived in Denver and Dallas and, like, downtown Denver, you know, Um, and then he got got married and uh, ended up in Lubbock, and uh, now he lives kind of on the outskirts of Lubbock. And what does he do every weekend? He goes and he freaking ropes. <laughs> right. You know? Back on the horse, yeah, right? Back on the horse. I mean, he's still a city boy and he still mm-hmm. loves the city, but he's got kind of the best of both worlds there. And so that's generally what happens is they tend to come back to it. And if they don't necessarily come back to it, uh, usually they've at least got some nostalgia. And mm-hmm. oh, I remember when. Yeah. You know. An appreciation. An appreciation. And an it. understanding. And they, they say... You know, the one thing that can never be taken away from you is education. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's absolutely true. What, um, so you were talking about earlier canning pickles. What do you do for, you know, so you're, you just go and get, if you're cooking, you just go and get what you want and you bring it in. <laughs> how do you, how do you manage that to kind of last? I mean, how do you, how do you manage that to kind of sustain you throughout the year? So that is so funny that you say that, and I wish it was that easy. Like, oh, this is what I want to <laughs> right? have today. No, I just want something. Because dude. the biggest thing that ticks off Starson is I'm like, hey, this is ready. Like, I'm bringing it in today. And he's right. like, you're kidding me. Like, I didn't plan for this. I'm not ready for this. What do you want me to do with this? Um, I've gotten a little bit better now because, you know, you know when you're like cucumbers, like harvest time, like you can kind of tell when that's starting you to come them, around. Yeah, at least you give them a heads up. Hey, yeah. in a couple of days, you yeah. might want to plan this Are for the Are the bell menu. jars ready to go? Do we have enough? Are the spices? Yeah, there's that. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say we're still greenhorns on the preserving side. That is where we want to increase our knowledge, though. Um, and he's been doing the research. Like, I feel so blessed. I, I mean, like, talk about 
such a good combination because I don't mind being out there like growing and planning and getting that stuff ready. But I don't like coming into the kitchen and doing recipes. I suck at baking. Like it's just bad. Like if I have to measure whatever I'm going to cook, it's not going to be good. Um, so to have Starson here, a, a trained professional chef, and he, by the way, he's cooked for some really fun people. He's been kind of quiet, but Paul McCartney, um, Robert Plant, Robert Plant. I mean, just like legit people in his life have come through. And here I am, like bringing him stuff out of my backyard garden. You're like, Cook <laughs> saying, for me. <laughs> <laughs> saying, what are you going to do with this? Yeah. Um, so we did a little bit more planning. I think, you know, this year being our first year on the homestead, we went with classics. So there's corn, there's squash. We're doing the three sisters method, which um, came from the uh, Native Americans, the Pueblos, where they say um, you cook squash, um, beans and corn together and they have a symbiotic relationship with each other um we did a little farm tour before starting the podcast and i was talking to them about it um beans are a legume they uh, add nitrogen into the soil corn loves um nitrogen squash can grow anywhere that i don't remember that piece of the relationship but we decided to try that here in our raised beds growing those three together um well and and so Kind of come, coming back to the knowledge and the education, mm-hmm. so many people, first of all, they think that, that it comes from the grocery store. But when mm-hmm. it, even if you do have that awareness of where the food comes from, most of them don't have any clue as to the complexities of this is why farmers do what they do, mm-hmm. whether it's on a big scale or mm-hmm. small crop scale. Rotations, the crop rotations, the, the, the cover planting, mm-hmm. all of that yeah, stuff. Soil management. I mean, it's huge. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And so it's, uh, like you said, the it's kind of a rabbit hole. The more you get into it, the more you're like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, it it's is. not so much more than yeah. I thought. Yeah, we're talking microbes, right? right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's so daunting. Um, mm-hmm. And so... We started the Hunt It Forward program, and that's what it's for, is those that don't know anything about hunting and who want to get into hunting but just don't know where to start because mm-hmm. there's so much to it. And it, from the sounds of it, this is the exact same thing. It, there's just so much to it, and it's very daunting. you know. So, yeah, it can be overwhelming yeah. for sure. I love the space that you guys are in. I feel like mine, There, are, you, know, you can go to YouTube, and there's a gazillion people that can show you how to grow. So much to the point now that you can even find it region by region. Mm-hmm. So you can look up. Um, so we're in the high arid desert. I can type in gardening high desert or high arid desert, and it'll populate tons of videos. Or if I'm you know searching through good old Google, same thing. It's it's a saturated market. But the niche that you guys are going into is not that way. And that's such a beautiful thing that you guys found that that you recognize that as an opportunity to open the door to people because that it, even for me, like with the background that I have, I still get overwhelmed to the yeah. point where I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't do it this year. But now I'm with, with you guys. I'm like, Oh, well now I know where to go with all my questions. Sure, so it doesn't right? feel. And that so, and, and that's one thing that we try and stress it. You know, our idea is not a, an original idea by any stretch no. of the imagination. There are, um, the ideas out there and there are groups that are doing it and, Especially in the last couple of weeks, we've heard about some pretty big, like national groups that have wild announced this is kind of what yeah. we're going to be doing, and it you know it feels like did you exactly go did you go read we're doing. our website or did you <laughs> yeah. listen to our podcast? But 
like I said, it's not an original idea. I'm sure that's not the case, but it is it is a, a niche that we recognize pretty early on. We're not meeting this need. Mm. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of focus in hunting on kids. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, mm-hmm. absolutely, that needs to continue. There's a lot of ho- and right now. There's a lot of focus on women. Um, there's a lot of focus mm-hmm. on veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, Disabled. Disabled, mm-hmm. yeah. There's all those things, but there was not much um, being directed towards, whether it's women or men, 21 to 45, um, we were not trying to get those folks into hunting. Um, and I, like, like we have talked about, uh, with the food movement, with the movement of the organic, with the uh, thought process of I want to know where my food comes from there is an untapped market out there to get people into hunting and we're finding across the board there the people have thought about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but because it's such a daunting idea it's so hard to get into and that's what we are trying to do you know it, we, we joke that uh, we were a step ahead of everybody just nobody knows about us. So. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one hundred percent true. Right? Because um, there are some some big names out there that are doing almost exactly what we're doing, uh, and that's fantastic. Because that's the goal is not for us to make money off of that or to get recognition from that. The goal is to um, increase hunting numbers and bring in new hunters uh, to the sport. And the reason for that is to protect our rights as hunters Mm -hmm. so we don't really care who does it but it is a little bit of a bummer when you're like that's what i'm doing and (laughs) nobody knows that we're doing it but everybody knows that the other guys are doing it but that's it's still a good thing we're still glad that it's happening because that's that's the point yeah well and i think the frustrations that people in agriculture have are, are similar to what the people in hunting are experiencing when you have people that don't grow up in that environment they don't understand the importance of it. And it's not just the nostalgic part or the mm-hmm. ego part. Mm-hmm. It is what is going to happen if someday we don't have the utilities that are in place today. And we are at a point as a society where those things can be taken away. Mm-hmm. Um and I think what, like if we go apocalyptic thinking, what do they say? <laughs> like most of us are gone in a month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what can you do to combat that? Not to say that you need to become a prepper, but, you and know. there's nothing wrong with <laughs> There's not prepper. at all. I I'm think a little bit really in that cool. realm myself, <laughs> I got to say. I got a squirrel story real quick. Okay. Because you, said, I just, you reminded me of this. My boy, uh, my wife calls me. Uh, she's in Omaha. Uh, Don't give I mean, it away. This is a great idea. I know it's a great Uh-oh. idea, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it anyway because it's hilarious. My boy, he's, he's eight, and he tells my wife, um, we need to move to a place where there's lots of preppers and we'll up, open up a uh, pizza restaurant and serve pepperoni pizza with <laughs> Dr. Prepper and Prepsy. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cute. That's awesome. That's pretty good thinking. Pretty yeah. forward thinking pepperoni for pizza. Pepperoni pizza. Oh, that's just, really good. It cracked me up. Yeah, but uh, that, so... Coming back to what you were talking about in in building those sustainable skills back up, um, there are talking about you know 
these different si- different sides of the table, the farm and ranch, the agricultural side, the hunting, um, trapping, fishing side. What's funny is most of the time we have the same interests in mm-hmm. mind, but often we are at odds with each other because of the way that somebody acted or somebody did sure. something on either side mm-hmm. of the aisle. And I think that's another focus of ours is we want to bridge that and this that's kind of what gave me this idea to, to talk to you guys and, and to get you on the podcast and uh, hopefully have some future interactions we're working on uh, but we want to bridge that gap and bring those two groups back together because mm-hmm. for the most part they have common interests right. they are you know we tell hunters this uh the ranchers are conservationists otherwise they Absolutely. wouldn't stay in business the yep. farmers are conservationists you know, it's not not according to the, you know the the typical idea of conservation mm-hmm. as as it pertains to hunting and all of that. But they are on at the same time, hunters, trappers, and fishermen are conservationists. Mm-hmm. They care about the land, which is what we all live on. And hopefully, you know, with this podcast, hope pushing some more people towards it, living off of. Mm-hmm. So. And learn the benefits of, of the two kind of lifestyles and how you can meld them together mm-hmm. to just make a, a... Funny, we've been talking about healthy lifestyle a lot here lately, haven't we? Have. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we've been out of college for quote-unquote five years. Yeah. Right, now, so right. Five it's years. important to us at this point. <laughs> now, we talk about health a lot, and I think um, with me in particular... Um, I have two chronic illnesses. I have endometriosis, and then I have um, an autoimmune disease. I have fibromyalgia. And so it's... Um... It's me. Thanks, Rodney. Up. Hit that red button for me, sure. We can just start that section over. No, that's all right. Just keep rolling. We right. we have we have kerfuffles like that. Way to go, <laughs> all <the> Rodney. <laughs> You know, so when we were recording these podcasts on our phone, mm-hmm. we don't have that problem because... It does allow it. It doesn't allow it to come through. Yeah. Um, but now that we've got all this fancy recording equipment... Oh. It's a new uh, learning curve. Learning curve. Yeah. Learning yeah. Curve. I, I don't know how you, if you can even turn that off while you it's can. recording. But. Yeah, you can well, put it in airplane. Oh, put it on airplane. Put it on airplane. Yeah, that would be or a smart idea. turn the volume down or whatever For you next time. For next, <laughs> next time, we'll yeah. remember. Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Squirrel. There you go. Well, so I was talking about having, um, we were talking about health issues, and mm-hmm. so I have some. So um, it, what I eat definitely changes how I feel on a day-to-day basis. So um, even having a meat specialist, like, starts in bringing home stuff, I realized that it was too much red meat. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let's change that up and let's do veggies. We do a lot of veggies. I wish I could be like you with the meat and potatoes, but it just, it's rough right. on my system. So it's in my face every day, the yeah. health aspect of it. Right. You know, what am I putting into my body? Um, so him by default, dealing with my health also gets to be a part of that. But I'm so glad that I am not eating, like, bagged salads because I think that's what would happen. And I know that a lot of other people, doctors, first of all, do not have enough nutrition classes. They don't. Yeah. It's undergrad. And then when 
they're off on their own and they might hear bits and pieces as they go along. They understand the chemical processes of it, but not intake and how it goes. And I've definitely found that out with both of the illnesses that I had. Because yeah. the first question out of my mouth when I was diagnosed with endometriosis is, well, what can I do on a nutritional level to help make my body healthy? And they're like, well, we don't know. Right. What do you mean? Yeah. No one's ever asked us and that there, before. And there's so much out there. You know, there's a new trendy diet every week. Right. Um, and and that's a one of the hard parts, you know. Like like my wife, she's she's pretty. She wants to be a lot more health conscientious than she is, and it's my fault that she's not because you know, meat and taters. <laughs> but uh, you know, we're all so different too. Mm-hmm. And as individuals, we kind of got to find what works for us. Yeah, you know. Oh, you're hundred percent right on that. So so mm-hmm. all of these diets, you know, there's the. The no carb diets, and then there's the no this diets. Mm-hmm. And some of them work great for you, right? But not me, yep. or for me, but not him. Um, so yeah, it's kind of got to be individualized for yeah. everybody. I think you know? the the easiest thing to say, and maybe for someone who wants to have you know a, a start there without having to call it a diet or feel like they're restricted, is to just try to eat as many whole foods as possible, and that's where we both fit in. Because you guys are meats that it's not doesn't have any additives in it. It's not um, there's no preservatives. There's no sausage where you're wondering what's in there mixed with it. Um, right. And then from this side where we're getting, you know, we're pulling stuff out of the garden, and we don't do that all the time. I don't want people to feel like, oh my gosh, we need to eat a hundred percent from what comes out of our garden. Hello, I like hot dogs. Yeah, my kids like hot dogs. Yeah, so it's not you know I I never want anybody to feel beat up about where they're starting from or, or where they are. Well, or and we had a conversation earlier about how <clears throat> how the world just seems to be becoming more divisive. Whether it's oh, even yes. the people that you should be getting along with mm-hmm. in agriculture, mm-hmm. you know, the organic versus the people who don't do or you know yeah. conventional. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I I'm glad you brought that that point up because it, it that's exactly right. You don't there's there's still a place for that. There's I mean mm-hmm. our our I ain't going camping without eating hot dogs. Well, without <laughs> I'm with you. With, without going, you know, um it seems like I always kind of pick a topic that we could go way far into, right. but but without getting into it. Um for the most part Agriculture and the people that do agriculture are in it for the right reasons, and they're doing it safely. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to go full organic. You don't, you know. Well, no. organic does not mean that you are treating the land in the best way possible. Exactly. There mm-hmm. is conventional organic now, mm-hmm. and and there are a lot of people on the original organic movement who are not happy about that yeah. um, because. Uh, big ag stepped into that program too because marketing was working well and they're like well we need to be a part of this segment as well Mm -hmm. but i know awesome people that are conventional farmers that their land is it Mm -hmm. they care about it they want their grandkids to be on it like you were speaking about earlier um and this divide that we've created between those things that one is better than the other is not right because if we didn't have conventional agriculture a lot of our world would be starving we have the best place to grow grains in the entire world is in our nation yeah and Mm -hmm. our capability of feeding those who can't feed themselves 
is amazing. Are they doing that organically? Most of them? No. Does that mean they don't care? No. no. Are there amazing things that come from doing things organically? Do I think that we can do more of those things and, and help our topsoil, um, pesticide use, all that stuff, GMOs? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Every single person on this planet can learn from them, regardless of whether you agree with them or not, should not be a part of the conversation every time. Yeah. yeah. Like, be an intaker. And, uh, you know, we did a podcast um, earlier I'm talking about earlier today because we record several usually at a time real busy (laughs) but where we talked about um, just that you know um, I lost my train of thought I don't know where you're going so Um, I can't help you (laughs) (laughs) talking about divisiveness yes the divisiveness hunting or agriculture exactly and um, I I love my game meat. I also love a beef steak. Yes, I do. <laughs> love it. Yeah. And I have no qualms or worries about you know where the the safety of that. Uh, mo- a lot of times, because I do, we we get it ourselves. But um, you know, for the most part, those the the people in agriculture and um, the people in hunting have so much in common yeah mm-hmm. here's a interesting tidbit not as much of a problem here as it is would be in say um texas or any of your nebraska uh any of your large farming states um you know, we talk about wild game being absolutely organic there's this big grass-fed beef movement right mm-hmm. and you're probably safer on knowing what that grass-fed beef is eating <laughs> than some of your wild game. Yeah. Because a lot of your sure. wild game gets into these crops. Mm-hmm. They sure. get into them right after they've been sprayed with pesticides and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, like I said, we don't have that much that problem um, like here in New Mexico mm-hmm. and, and out west as they do back east in their big farming states. But mm-hmm. like your whitetail in particular, they thrive around farming areas because they go into those fields and that's what mm-hmm. they eat. So, who's to say? Who's to say? You know, yeah. but that, so, like I said, it's not a big of a deal here, you know, because you can go up into the wilderness and hunt elk and deer and stuff like here, and that is just that's natural yeah. wild stuff. But. As close as you're going to get to perfect, and Correct. I think that you know the biggest point that we can make with people is that there is no perfect system. No, there, no. there's there's not, and if you if you search for that or if you plant yourself on one side thinking that you found it. Man, you're going to get your feelings hurt real quick. Yes. <laughs> Regain my train of thought. Uh, we, were, we were talking. The light bulb thing. We did. You just see the bing. Um, we were talking to uh, to BHA. Yep. And that's that's kind of what we were talking about is for the most part, you're not going to agree with everybody 100%. No. We've got to quit saying, if you don't agree with me 100%, I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah. We've got to say, I agree with you 80% of the time, and I am absolutely willing to stand up for you on that mm-hmm. and stand with you on that. Mm-hmm. The other 20% will agree to disagree. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there is no perfect system. And that's one of the things that we talked about was, you know, hunting, the hunting system and the the rules and regulations that we have here in New Mexico. And there is not a single rule in New Mexico in the um, regulation book 
that in the proclamation that everybody is going to agree with. Right. There's always going to need to be compromise um, for people to be able to move forward. Mm-hmm. You know. Definitely. So Starson's been real quiet, and I <laughs> yeah. want to talk a little more, a little bit more to, uh, with him because um, I think he's got kind of a because that awesome buku was awesome. Yes, that's what I heard. there's awesome buku, awesome yeah. buku. Hey, yeah, uh, but he's got kind of a, a, a unique perspective uh, because he's on that final product end um, right. of of both the agriculture and you know we had elk that was. Yeah, unlike any any elk I've had. I'm going to do a plug before Star takes over for our friends. Um, They have NM Smart Meats, Mm -hmm. and it's a grass-fed beef program out here in the East Mountains. They're really good friends of ours. That elk was actually shot by one of the brothers, Stuart, that um, owns that meat company. Very nice. So, yeah. Yeah. So, thank you for that meat, Stuart. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, um... In my history of being able to cook for a lot of people, uh, famous or not famous, um, my... We fall on the ladder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it really just comes down to the ingredients and, and being able to try to... Uh, now I'm a consultant. I've, I've done enough cooking in my life that I got to the level to where I can consult now with you know, any nationality, any cuisine, any restaurant, any size, multi-units, national chains uh, that I have enough knowledge just to sound smart enough to convince somebody else that they can do something that I know they're fully capable of doing. <laughs> um, so, and a lot of that just is, is getting outside that comfort zone. Um, everybody can cook a steak for the most part or can be taught to cook a steak very easily. They, I can teach them how to cut their own steaks. Uh, when it goes into wild game and they, you know, I have you know, antelope and uh, python and alligator and kangaroo and ostrich and you know all these different elements of my wild game list that people just freak out on because they it's not common to them so a lot of that is just bringing it into them showing them how to cook it you know cooking it for them and showing them the process uh, and then making sure they feel comfortable after i'm done because yeah if you have something that doesn't have any fat in at all like elk or venison uh red stag it just it's harder because there's not that little buffer zone of, well, as long as there's enough fat, it'll be all yeah, right. Yeah, you don't have right. a little bit of leeway to say <laughs> yeah. it's either uh, rare or black, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of the restaurants, uh, when we, we talk about wild game and game meats, um, the first thing I tell them is it's it's going to be gamey. That's, that's why it's called game. Like, it is in the name. It's not going to taste beefy. It's not going to taste... Um, like anything that's, you know, we're harvesting in large amounts. These are small farms. Um, even the ones we get from New Zealand, like our New Zealand lamb uh, or uh, the Corvina or um, no, Cabanus. No, I'm trying to think of the name. It, it's a brand of uh, elk that comes out of there. It's kind of in between elk and deer. It's a bigger deer, but not quite an elk. And, uh, well, almost like a stag. So it's it doesn't. It's not gamey. It's really, it's farmed. I mean, they raise it in these uh, wonderful areas that are just like a, a big, um, you know, like chicken ranch. But this big animals. <laughs> uh, big chicken ranch. <laughs> chicken ranch. <laughs> yeah, big animals. Uh, so they do, and it, it takes a lot of that gaminess now. Now, for us who are hunters, we, we expect that whenever we take an elk, uh, we take it properly, there's still going to be that gaminess to it. And what can we do to alleviate some of that, um, you know, funky foresty flavor 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really how we treat it, how we hang it, how we fabricate it, uh, making sure that we harvest it correctly and pull it, um, you know, pull it from the hide as quickly as possible, cool it down properly. All the elements that, you know, as far as hunting, that that's what really scares people. When you look at getting into hunting, they're like, well, even if you shoot the animal and you get the kill and it's a great chase and you get to that point, well, now the, the whole other side of the fence is, what do I do with all yeah, this? Yeah, that's... that's <laughs> We, we we always say that's when the work starts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And one thing I've learned that, you know, I learned how to butcher uh, small deer first. So whenever I went into culinary school or I went into my profession of butchery, you know, fabricating a very large cow was a lot easier. Muscles are bigger. There's a lot better seams to follow. Um, it just flowed into it. So once you learn one, one animal and the components of it and how it relates uh, to muscle groups, it's a lot easier to do any animal. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, you're harvesting sheep on your own property or uh, a wild mountain goat that you've been chasing for 14 days up rocky cliffs of uh, the southern rim of Las Cruces, then, you know, that's what you do. Um, Is once you get to that point where the animal's down on the ground and um, you're ready to harvest, it's the respect and appreciation for, I'm going to utilize every single piece of this animal to the best of my ability. Just like if we have a plot of land or we do a raised garden bed, we're going to use everything in here to the best of our ability to grow the very best we can. Otherwise, it's a waste of our time, our money, and the nutrition and the value of the soil. Um, so that animal, I mean, I, I've eaten elk heart. I mean, that was the first, well, actually it was a deer heart. It was the first thing I ever ate was a deer heart. Um, just because, you know, saw it in a movie and thought it would be great. It was not great. <laughs> you ever think of taking yeah. rotting ground? <laughs> I've, yeah. I've, I've had heart before. Yeah. Um, and it's not my favorite. Either. Well, I yeah. think I think the important part to understand about that is um, it doesn't have to be your favorite, uh, but you might be open to it because it might be something that you really like. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. yeah there's a lot of people that love liver and onions. Oh, I like liver. Wow. <laughs> but, you know, like Star was saying, utilizing the entire animal because you're honoring it. And yeah. 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 Not exactly. being wasteful. But Suck it might, out buttercup. But it <laughs> might not be for you. I mean, I can yeah. make uh, I can make a pate or liver sausage mm. um, and give that to someone who I know is going to appreciate it. Right. Um, and I can, you know, do other things with it. Uh, the heart can actually be, once you seam it out, um, you can grind it up. Uh, with some of your rump meat and uh, some of the you know harder pieces of the the lower leg portions, and make a you know country style sausage out of it, where it does mask a lot of that. Um, so there's different elements to you to utilize with it. Uh, also, taking all the bones and making stock with it is you know a little over the top, but it's something that can last you for you know months. You can can. I don't uh, think that's over the top with the current trends with. Yeah, well, actually, I think that's, that's quite in. Right yeah, yeah. Exactly. that gets into the healthy yeah. movement. Yeah, um, yeah. the yeah. bone broth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the whole yeah. So so hunting has this movement right now, where where probably not with all of them, but with a lot of them, and especially the new hunters that are coming in, is that holistic experience doing yeah. it all mm-hmm. and and that's one of the reasons like i was explaining before we started the podcast that i'm this year i'm going to be doing that i'm going to take the hearts the liver the coal fat um you know uh the, the bone marrow uh from certain animals that are big enough um if i can you know yeah to to try that because it is you know and that is a big movement right now is that holistic part of it 
uh, a big trend right now. You just vacuum seal those up and come back here. Okay. And we'll do podcast number two and Star can make some pate. Yeah. All right. I love pate. We'll do that. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. For sure. Um, so I don't know if we cut you off on your thought process there, Star. Um, uh, well, just... You know, getting back into the hunting segment of it and, and making sure that, you know, no matter what you're hunting or how you can get uh, that, that you know, targeting group that we're, you're looking for into the hunting, um, whether it be shooting dove or going out rouse snake hunting, you know, I'll take you guys, we'll go rouse snake hunting, we'll do some live catch on rouse snake. You won't take him. To do. <laughs> no, I'll go. So no. I'll, I'll hang out with you and. Right, we'll right. drink iced tea. Yeah. <laughs> I, have had, I have had we had rattlesnake. Matt, yeah, we we yeah. Um, I've got a, a cousin that um, we stay with when we hunt in Artesia, and um, he is a great cook. Uh, he everything he makes is delicious, and it's all meat and taters. <laughs> but we we kill the rattlesnake. Um, over there near near him on one of our hunts and brought it home and he cooked it up and it was pretty good but i've had just like mass amounts of crappy luck with rattlesnakes over the past couple of years um like eating them or like getting in their path getting in their path okay uh yeah i've i got struck by one Uh, luckily i didn't make it through my boot um scared the dickens out of me Mm um i pretty much set my hand right next to one's face um it almost broke my pinky hurt it pretty good trying to escape Hmm. um you can't escape on a pinky i promise you (laughs) (laughs) uh we stepped on one dragging my deer out last year goodness um nearly stepped on one nearly stepped on a huge one during an elk hunt um yeah yeah. what elevation was that we We were were in in capitans Oh, in October, okay. uh, no September, um, but it, it was a huge rattle. It's the biggest rattlesnake I've ever seen. His, his head was his head, <laughs> head was the size of every that bit, oh, every wow. bit that yeah, big, just fat. He'd have um, been good to eat. Yeah, because yeah. the one because oh, the, yeah. the one that we ate at Rogers, oh, you kind of had to pick around the bone. Yeah. yeah, I think that one um, would have been really good to eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but so, and I'm not a fan of rattlesnakes. You know, so, and I've got this. I've got this theory. Um, when I grew up, when I was younger, I was a bull rider, and everything I did in my life was crazy. Um, I walked a very fine line between safe and not. Yeah, there was no safe. It, I was all the way over here on the not safe part. And now I'm married, and I have kids, and everything scares the crap out of me. It just all does. Snakes. Um, I, 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 me and my son stepped right over a snake on our front porch. Um, it was dark and we were walking to the house and before the light kicked on, uh, the motion light kicked on, we'd both walk right over the top of this snake. It mm-hmm. just, uh, and everything terrifies me. I'm driving home in the snow. I'm like three miles per hour. I don't care if y'all can't pass me <laughs> everything. Um, and so, so my theory is one of two things. It's either because I have a family now and it's more than just my life at stake or what I tend to think is that that dealing with that whole fear aspect of of the crazy stuff that you do is a skill that can diminish and if you're not 
Mm. exercising that skill mm-hmm. if you're not on that edge living on that edge and so you need to go rattlesnake and, I know I was just going to say and, look at him he's like right? chopping at the bit so if you're not doing that if you're <laughs> not doing that you. regularly then you're going to lose that skill yeah. and I think I've lost that skill because I don't do crazy stuff anymore which is not a bad thing yeah um, but that's probably yeah. a, 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 probably a lot more to do with your family yeah. I, that, but, yeah. sure but yeah it's just a theory that's it's what I said that's just a theory uh, take us. We you mentioned earlier before we started the podcast that you get to experiment with a lot at home, um, and kind of take us through through that. What? Um, thankfully, you've got the homestead that you get to use those ingredients to experiment with. Yeah. But but where does your mind go when you when you're when you're looking to cre- create? Well, uh, I guess a large part of that is you know now that I'm outside a single restaurant entity where I controlled one restaurant and came up with recipes and seasonal menus. Um, so I don't have that creative outlet anymore. So a lot of it has to do with, uh, making sure you're still involved with, like I, I watch a lot of food network. We watch, watch a lot of food shows on Netflix. Along with my wife. Mm-hmm. She loves food. <laughs> and I, I really can't lie. They do a pretty good job. It's pretty entertaining, I'm going to say. Yeah. And the food looks amazing. Yeah. I can't watch them. Every time I turn on a Food Network show, anything like that, I end up eating as much as I can find out of the refrigerator. Yeah. And I have that so, problem, too. Yeah, so I... Subliminal marketing, right? Yeah. 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 We yeah. watch... Seafood eater. We watch... Me and my wife... Squirrel. Squirrel again. Me and my wife were watching um, Friends, and Joey had a meatball sandwich, and... The second he said meatball sandwich, I was like, "Let's go to town." <laughs> we, I, I need a meatball sandwich. Yeah, I, and that happens to me all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the fun part about it is that now that you know, I have Aaron, who's you know agricultural masters over there. Uh, they'll say some crazy herb or plant or something like, well, "What the heck is that?" She'll tell me about it or say. Oh, yeah, I think we actually have some in the garden. I'm like, well, then we're trying that stuff out. Yeah. Because um, she does get creative, and, you know, she'll talk to me a little bit about, well, what do you want me to plant this year? What should we, you know, what would you like to cook, essentially, is what she's saying. <laughs> so, right. What, would you, what like to- would you like to cook me this year? Yeah, exactly <laughs> what's happening. So yeah. uh, she'll go through the Let list, and, you. yeah, it'll be a lot of the basics that we love to have around. You know, we always like the the Swiss chard and the um, the kale and spinach and fresh lettuces. Uh, radishes, uh, onions, but what she does do is she keeps a lot of stuff, not even to my knowledge, uh, or she'll tell me about it. And I'll just forget about it. Then she'll come bringing uh, new gifts of different vegetables I haven't seen in a while, or uh, squash blossoms which I hadn't cooked in years. And she's like, "Well, what can you do with these?" I'm like, "Well, I'm about to dig back into my repertoire, but you know, <laughs> do a cream cheese and a crab stuffing, and then take them and you know, dip them real quick in a batter and." And oh, fry them up. And, I know. Again. We just ate. So yeah, <laughs> we have some out there. <laughs> yeah. So she keeps it interesting because you know, with that, there is stuff. There's stuff that's ready all the time. And since she's out there in the garden on a daily basis, uh, pruning and making sure the peas are training right on where they're supposed to be, and you know, she'll start bringing in little stuff, and then it'll start small on the counter, and then by the end of the so week, bad. there'll just be this pile of vegetables. This is like um. <clears throat> Um. <laughs> yeah. Joey's not lying, yeah. especially t- like tomatoes, because we want to make yeah. different things with tomatoes, and you know, and, the, and there's dangers that come with that. Canning tomatoes is probably, if you're preserving at home, the most dangerous yeah, for thing that you can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
See? So. I knew I didn't like tomatoes for a reason. Yeah. You don't like tomatoes? You know, not fresh. Yeah. I don't I know, like fresh I, yeah. Well, this is sauce and salsa that yeah. you have to be careful of when yeah. you're panning. So. It's what... Yeah. I, don't, I, don't eat, I don't like tomatoes either. I don't like onions. Um, raw. Mm-hmm. But you cook an onion, and it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. You had a bunch oh. of onion today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I love them. <laughs> uh, um, it, it, I find that interesting. Uh, the way that people eat food... And the way that they like food, like like Kyle said, I hate tomatoes, but I absolutely love salsa. How does yeah. that make any sense? Yeah. You know? Um, and your it, taste changed. I, I, yes. Occasionally, I haven't done it in quite a long time, but occasionally I will try a tomato. And it's one of those things I wish I liked. Because right? it looks so, so good when yeah. someone else Such eats it. Like on a hamburger, my mom used to go out and she would take and take a fresh tomato mm-hmm. and wash it off and cut it and sprinkle the salt mm-hmm. on it and just eat it. I'm like, it looks really good. It's kind of like coffee. I don't like coffee. It smells great and looks really good, but I don't like it. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, as your taste change, you, you you need to kind of be open to trying yeah. that new stuff or retrying it to see if see if you like it. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, when you were talking about all the different vegetables and stuff, until I got married... Um, I didn't know what any of that was, you know, <laughs> watching Food Network on a regular basis. I now kind of get an idea, but, you know, char, that's when you leave a steak on the grill too long, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, um, it's 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 funny that way, so. Uh, yeah, we have fun creating stuff from what we're growing, for sure. Oh, and yeah. I think that that'll develop more, too. You know, before, our last two houses were on essentially cliffside um, mm-hmm. on a different... Uh, mountain Ridge about 15 minutes from here and so we were growing in a really a lot smaller space than this and we we're still growing a ton of food but we we're still pretty limited so the more that we can branch out with that and do more of the preserving and even before we moved in here we were talking about creating spaces to hold what we preserve because this house we downsized uh, this cabin that we remodeled is not quite 1400 square foot and we came from a 2000 square foot house so um it's smaller the storage space our pantry is tiny so trying to make sure that we utilize food how do we use food all year round um we actually do canned tomatoes for charcuterie plates um so we have done some and we do carrots um we were going to do radishes this year (laughs) i'm really good at growing carrot tops and bee tops (laughs) and that's that's last year that's how i learned to make uh, oh, yeah. carrot top pesto because i told right? i come in and i'm like i don't want to waste this like it took right? me months to like prep the garden grow this like i don't want to just you know i do feel like it's a blessing to have the chickens where we can feed the food waste too yeah. so that it's not just going into the compost pile which really is another good place too it never ends up in the trash like it's right. such a no-no yeah but yeah he I brought in, I'm serious, it was, I don't even know. There's three grocery bags full of tops. I'm like, huh. Right? And then you brought in the basil, too, so I could have basil mixed in with it. So, yeah, basil, carrot, pesto. With With pecans from my mom's pecan trees in Las Cruces. See? So, agricultural use. Right? There you go. Yep. Um, we'll figure out how to get $1,000 off that hey, product. Yeah. <laughs> Added value products all day. All I'll know. brainstorm those with you. I um, The last garden I had, I grew carrots. I love carrots. And I yielded zero carrots. Darn it. Because my kids 
just we're nonstop out there just pulling it, rinsing it off, and eating it. They're which so is sweet. Good, so good. But, yeah. man, you're like, can I grow one to the full size and bring it in? But no, not even close. Man, yeah. Them kids would <laughs> run out there, pull them, and just <laughs> gnaw them down. Yeah, I think we had that problem with the boys, too. They would harvest stuff, and we'd be like, wait. <laughs> Where plan for that? Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't have it's a gone. huge problem with everything else, um, but definitely the carrots. Man, they tore the carrots up. So, which yeah. you know, cool. We'll have to send you guys some pickles this year. Star makes hot pickles. Oh, nice. So we have so many different like varieties. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah my wife is I gonna like you pickles. So we'll do it. See, it's this bartering thing. Yeah. So some Nada Grande mm. outfitting gear for some preserved stuff. There right. Go. There we go. Or uh, some, I, just we, got, I just got some barbering. Got some barbering meat. Oh, oh yeah. That's, that's what we need to do, dude. We uh, need to bring him that neck roast. We do. Yeah, I've never <gasps> had barbary, so. Yeah. Neither have I, I. I, I. When we got that barbary, I told Kyle, let's take that full neck. And so we did. We took the whole neck, we cut it right at the base of the skull, all the way down to the shoulders. Awesome. Yeah. And took that whole neck because I wanted to make a neck roast for pulled tacos. Oh, yeah. I mm. thought that would be amazing. Yes. Um, but that's that whole, you know, it, growing up, very seldom did we ever take the neck meat or the rib really? meat. Really? Yeah. Because yeah, well, oh, it's, it's such a pain in the butt. Yeah, smaller animals, it's just a lot more work. But, yeah. you know, like we were talking about with the new movement, um, it's kind of a utilize everything mm-hmm. kind of deal and I, I, I want to be a part of that so that's what um, you know the only thing we left on that animal was uh, the rib cage where I sh- where the entrance wound was and just yeah. kind of ruined that meat there yeah. with, yep. the, with the trauma yep. we took the luckily rib, it didn't get all the other side of the ribs and yeah. Yeah. all of that so we could bring neck and ribs and yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah there you go but very cool do you so when you're cooking, do you do you um, like experiment a lot, or do you kind of have your go-to stuff, or is it a mix? Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a loaded question there. Um, every every time I cook, uh, like even today, I started with the plan of what I wanted to do, and by the time I was done, I'd already changed it three times to end up where we were. Um, I kind of let the ingredients tell me what they want me to do, and also, you know, timing. Um, so like that salad today was not going to even not even have elk on it. Wasn't going to have the nectarines. Once I started digging around and seeing some more stuff, and once I tasted the greens that we pulled out of the garden and they had a really good sweetness to them, um, it just made sense. You got a little spicy, you got a little from the arugula, and then you got the sweet from those leaves. It just made sense to go that direction. By and the then, way, that's. I would eat more salad. Right? That's the <laughs> <best. Yeah. laughs> These guys got their greens today. That's yeah. the their difference. wives would be impressed. That's yeah. the difference right there between a chef and a cook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, there are things that do guide me, like, seasonally, because there's just things that mm-hmm. during the season I know I'm going to cook a lot more of. Like, yeah. especially when we have, we're harvesting a bunch of corn and squash, I do a lot more corn dishes or succotash or, um, you know, things that we can utilize that for, um Calabacitas, when we do our Mexican night. Yeah, yeah, you're talking. Yeah. I grow, I, I, well, I, I, like I said, I haven't gardened in a couple of years, but I used to grow a lot of squash because that Calabacitas is just, yeah. I get in a rut. It's kind of like when I go to a restaurant. I order the same dang thing mm-hmm. at every restaurant. I, once I find something good, I'm like, why try something else? Because I know I like this. I and yeah. I do the same thing at home when I'm cooking. It, it, I get in a rut. I cook the same thing in the same way every yeah. time. 
And uh, I want to break that habit. I want to, you know, branch out and start. Gardens definitely help with that. And I think, you know, if you can find a place where it's, where there's farm to table restaurants in your area, it's a good way to go learn too, because they'll change their menu according to what um, is in season. Another great way um, is to be a part of a CSA, which is community supported agriculture. You pay into a monthly subscription like Netflix and they either deliver the produce to your door or they have a pickup spot. And what is in your box is what you have. And and if you can commit yourself to that, to say, I will use everything that's in the box and I will, I will try different things. And that does force you. And if you're, you know, and there's rural places that do this too, which actually makes it even better because then you can't run to the grocery store to supplement something. <laughs> you're going to have to use what you have. Use what you got. And you're supporting your, your local farmers in that aspect yeah. too, whenever you subscribe to those things. Well, and of course, so. a lot of places now, um, along with this food trend and, and the back to nature kind of trend that we're seeing, uh, Farmers markets have popped up in greater number than they have mm. been in the past that I've noticed, uh, and so those are going to be good, again, good sources if Absolutely. if to supplement. Hopefully, if you're doing it at home, but you can supplement with with some other stuff because uh, a place like this that has two and a half acres, you're going to be able to uh, kind of surpass what they need and maybe mm-hmm. take that to the farmers market, and so you can get something that you might not yeah. have at home or something. Right, and I think that. I don't know if we'll we'll get to the part where we're to the point where we want to do farmers markets, maybe cut flowers or, you know, we know a pig farmer down the road that sells sausage there every week. So we could be like, hey, why don't you take this for yeah. this week and, you know, we'll split the profits on it or something like that. Again, the passive income side, making sure that it's not going to waste as much as I love feeding my chickens what we have. It, aggressive income. Aggressive income. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sweatborn income. We need a we need a good term for that. Yeah. Yeah. Sweat equity income. I don't know. It's yeah, it's not easy, but yeah, it should be something that you're passionate about. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um so Aaron, what's your website? The Harvest Trail Agency.com. Okay. And are there any other resources that you would recommend for people looking to kind of get into backyard, sustainable living type stuff? I mean, you've kind of said this kind of a saturated market, so you can go on YouTube and do whatever. Are there sources that you trust that you use often? Um, No. (laughs) No, That's an acceptable answer. I mean, there's so so many places that I pull from. if you just want to do backyard gardening and you want to know a little bit of everything, the garden answer, the lady who runs that is phenomenal. Like she even gets Sarson interested and Sarson, that's not his thing. He's, he's it's not the food network. <laughs> Whatever. I'm watching gardening stuff. Yeah. Um, she's great. And she makes everything understandable in layman's terms and her place is gorgeous. So you want to learn about what she's doing and why. And she tells you where to, her parents own a nursery. So their plants are right there for you to get from. Um, if I can say something that I think gets underutilized like crazy, it would be your county extension agents Absolutely. and your master gardener programs in your county. I think, um, they're the best free resource and, yeah. and really they're not free cause your taxes pay their salaries, um, utilize them. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think I said earlier that I'm a master gardener for Bernalillo County. Um, I got to go to school and learn from PhDs 
and I had to put in community service hours. I got that certificate as a master gardener, but that means I have to do continuing education. Plus, I have to service my community with 40 hours of community service every year. Yeah. And so um, we do that by running a hotline. So there's a phone number in every single county that you can call, that you can ask questions. And the cool thing is they're growing in your area. Mm -hmm. So they're going to know what variety of tomatoes is going to grow the best. They're going to know that pest that's eating all your lettuce up. They're going to know when you should plant. Um, And it's funny you say that because... There's a meme that's been going around on Facebook that I laugh at every single time I see it. Because uh, it, so it's it's a guy in front of three doors, and it says the first door is um, uh, ask a game warden. The second door is ask somebody local who has local knowledge, and the third door is uh, Facebook. <laughs> and then it shows the guy kicking in the Facebook door. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, but I, I think you make a good point there in, in using your your local resources. You know, when we advocate for that all the time, um, if you draw a hunt somewhere or you're going to hunt somewhere uh, that you've never been and you need some local knowledge, use your game warden. Yeah. Call the office. of will their person number. Turns out that they're kind of nice. And turns out they're pretty passionate about what they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and they have a little bit of knowledge yeah, on the subject, bit of knowledge, you know. A little yeah. bit of knowledge, and they, yeah. you know, I I don't know how many times that that uh, I talked to game wardens, and they said, "Oh yeah, I, somebody will call me. I'll tell them exactly where to go." You know, and more often than that's not, that's pretty awesome. That's because they're out and about all the time. Yeah, and they can yeah. tell you where the animals are, mm-hmm. and uh, they're not stingy with that knowledge because. Uh, their salaries are paid for by people who hunt. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Right, yeah. Not they even tax to dollars. To and they want on. you to right. enjoy your experience. They want you to have a good experience, so you will come, come back. back. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's important. Yeah. So using those local resources are really, really important. Yeah. Starting with some good resources for recipes, too, for the everyday peeps. Excellent. Uh, I was hoping that you'd say right? that. I do. <laughs> Besides your brain, I don't want people yeah. calling you all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, one of my favorites, and they kind of push a lot of that fresh food movement, and they definitely do it seasonally. Is uh, Epicurious? Uh, that's one of my favorite websites to go to. Even if I find a item that I'm not sure what to use it for, uh, whether it be a fresh green or a you know a piece of meat that I've never cooked before, maybe like that Barbary sheep. Uh, there's usually something on there where somebody has cooked with it or done a dish with it. I'm like, oh, look at that. Now, of course, my mind deters and goes other directions with it, but takes that basis um, for it, and then I evolve from there with that recipe. So that one's one of my favorites. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's pretty much how I cook is I take something, I'm like, Let's spice that up a little bit. That's true to Mexican. That is. That's exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. I've never seen an Epicurious recipe that ever had green chili in it. No, no that's sad. Ever. Okay. I'm not sure I'm okay with that. Well, they just. You, you just have a conversation. You, you just, again, you just got to <laughs> spice it up a little yeah. bit. Like, hatch green chili, doesn't it? You know, yeah. Evolve or hasn't evolved to the entirety of the world yet, but it's getting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It needs to be all over the place. It, it does. So I can. You can't. We're stuck here <laughs> because we can't get <laughs> green right. chili really anywhere else. else. And yeah. I know that. I mean, you know, I went to college in in Idaho, and you couldn't find good green chili past the northern border. Yeah. Nope. You know, they they you tell them green chili, and 
green peppers show up on your pizza. You're right. like, no! Yeah. I, I lived in Oklahoma. And um, I went to, uh, I was dating a young lady there. And she, I was always complaining about not having any good Mexican food. And she said, oh, I'll take you to a place. And she took me to a place. And I was skeptical. And I ordered, um, I, I ordered um, cheese enchiladas. And when the waitress walked off without asking me if I wanted red or green, I was worried. (laughs) I was like, wait, come come back. Because you didn't ask me the most important question that you need to ask. Or even if you wanted an egg. Right. Yeah, exactly. She walks away, Rodney's sitting there. I'm in danger. Without an egg. Um, Yeah, just, I love, I love, I, I. Alamogordo is the worst for restaurants. There's yeah. just no good restaurants in that town. And after having lived in Las Cruces for such a long time, mm-hmm. it's just miserable because Las Cruces is full of great. Well, good thing you're not too far. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we go there all the time. Yeah. And and we go to the Hat all the time. Uh, yeah. And um, where else? We go all over the place. The Hat. Andales. Andales. The Doghouse. Chopes, you guys Chopes. Yes. Um, I, I go to my mom's house. Yeah. My grandma's house. <laughs> I miss my I miss mariachis. Um, La Posta. Uh, my favorite thing there at La Posta is to go for chips and salsa that's and margaritas. A, yep. Exactly. That's oh, that all you bar? need from there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Excellent. Well, this was really cool. Glad we finally got together. Yes. Um, yeah. And sounds like we've got some collaboration to do in the future. Yeah, some uh, exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. But uh, Well, thanks for visiting us on the homestead, and I'm sure that there's some noises in the background that I heard when we were outside. So if you guys hear something like a child crying, it was not. No, nope. peacock. Peacock. Peacock, yeah. peacock yeah. chickens. We like the... the I'm about to say ambience. We like the ambience. ambience. <laughs> <laughs> you can match your redneck show, Kyle. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those where you start down a road and, and your mind goes down that road, but your words <laughs> go over here, you know? Uh, so, but yeah, um, really cool. Uh, I think you guys are doing some really neat stuff. Maybe. And um, I think that there's some awesome things to do together in the future. So. Cool. Excellent. We're excited about that. Yeah. Thank you all for having us. Thank you for you coming on and. Uh, out there in listening land, uh, give us a rating. Uh, the one on the review. far right, far right, the five star. Yeah, because we got a five star chef with us and a five star master gardener with us. So give us the five star rating. Leave us a review and uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Follow the harvest, the harvest trail, trail journey, journey yeah. on, on those platforms as well. Um, she's doing some really cool stuff. So we will catch you next time. Adios. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for joining Not A Grande Outdoors Podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios.